I'm Cardinal Scotcher, Wilson Contreras, and you're listening to Sport Open Line on KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us tonight. 314-436-7900. That's how you get in contact with the program. Right now, we're going to the Quiver River Electric Guest Line and uh, welcoming on to the program our friend Rob Raines. Covers the Cardinals for stlsportspage.com. Rob, always appreciate you taking some time with us today. How are you? Happy to do it. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you as well. I don't think we have really spoken since uh, all the moves that have been made here uh, throughout the course of the offseason. Obviously, uh, three starting pitchers coming in. There have been a, a couple other small things that have happened since then. How much better have the Cardinals made themselves so far this offseason? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think they're better, but how much better, I don't really know. I mean, obviously getting gray was a big addition. You basically are swapping out uh, some other guys, you know, with the back end of the rotation with, with Gibson and, and Lynn. We're probably seeing, you know, Flaherty and, and Wainwright. But I think that the main thing is that they, they all have a more of a track record of throwing, you know, deeper in the ball game. So that's the thing I like is that they're innings, basically innings eaters, which is something this team, this specifically the starting rotation really lacked a year ago, because if they can get, get deeper into the ball games and that obviously the trickle down effect is going to make the bullpen more effective and not so overtaxed. So they're better than they were, you know, a year ago or at the end of the season, but I still don't think they're where they really need to be to be a contending ball club. Yeah. I guess that's the question I keep asking because I say it over and over and over. People are probably sick of hearing me say it. I think that from a statistical perspective, you look at what happened last season and you can blame a lot of more on the performance of the bullpen, especially when it comes to blown saves. If they blow half as many saves as they did last year and they still wouldn't have been that good, even if that, that still would have been a bad number, they would have been right there in contention at the, at the deadline. So my, my big question on this is, can how much better it's another how much better question but how much better is the bullpen going to be just as a result of the fact that it feels like they're going to get more innings out of these starters yeah that's a question we can't answer right now you know because it has to happen you know you have to have the pitchers really do have innings and you know that's the, the only thing that worries me a little bit about the the additions to the to the rotation is that their starting rotation now has an average age of 35 years old which you know it, it's it's good if they're healthy, but it's just, you know, track record of all those guys, you know, being able to stay healthy. And a couple of them have had injury issues of their own, you know, in the past. So that's the thing I worry about a little bit is the, is the age of that rotation and can they stay healthy? And then, you know, you've got some guys that, you know, or you don't know for sure what you're going to get out of the bullpen either. I mean, you know, Gallegos obviously keeps coming off a, a rough year. Helsley was good when he could pitch, but he had a lot, you know, time when he wasn't able to pitch. And then Romero came on strong at the end of the year, but we don't know if that's going to be able to continue or not. So I still have a lot of questions yeah, about the about the bullpen, even though you, you could make an argument that they're pretty good, but you also could make an argument that they have, you know, have issues too. Are you comfortable with this group of starting pitchers and not just the five that are in the rotation, but whoever ends up being number six and number seven, whether it's a, a Matthew Libert or Zach Thompson or, or somebody else that we're not speaking about, or do you feel like there needs to be at least one more addition? Cause we, we rarely see a team break camp with the five pitchers in the rotation that they expected to be when spring training got started. 
Oh, certainly. Yeah. And I think that that's the case. Yeah. I like both of those guys. I think that's the other trickle down part of it is if, if you do have those five guys in the rotation, then you're talking about Libertor and Thompson being in the bullpen, which I think makes the bullpen stronger, uh, especially too. So, but I think I, I would really like to see him go out and get one more quality starting pitcher to be, you know, a candidate for the, for the top of the rotation. And then probably even another guy that you can come into camp with, you know, thinking maybe he could be, uh, you know, he'd be your, you know, safety valve if one of those guys does go down a little bit. Or, you know, they've, I think they've even toyed with the idea of putting, you know, Stephen Matz in the bullpen, which is, which I'd be okay with too if you find somebody that's better than him to be a starter. We are continuing to talk with uh, Rob Raines, covers the Cardinals for uh, stlsportspage.com. What is your expectation of what's next? Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about uh, the bullpen, and when we saw them bring in a guy via trade with Tyler O'Neill, we saw them uh, use the Rule 5 selection to, to add to that. But it does feel like there are still some pieces missing on that back end of the bullpen. I think there's still pieces missing on the bullpen. I still think they've got some logjam issues. I know even trading O'Neill kind of helped a little bit, but I still think you've got got a lot of guys that are going to be competing for for one spot right now. You know, you've got the the Burlesons, you've got the Luke and Bakers, you're going to have you know Thomas Agassi, the, the top prospect, is going to come into camp and try to win a job. You've got Victor Scott, you know, obviously a guy that has earned a lot of attention. Like how he played last year, he played in the fall league. And I'm not saying those you know he and Agassi are going to be ready to play at the big league level when camp ends and the regular season opens, but I think they're going to be factors at some point next season. So I still think there's some moves to be made to kind of clear out some of that uh, glut in the middle of the roster too. You know, a lot of times we assign like statistical needs based off the position that someone plays, but the Cardinals are going to get home runs from the catcher spot, which you don't get. Uh, assuming Nolan Gorman's at second, they're going to get some home runs and some power out of the second base spot. Does that allow them to be a little bit more flexible in some other positions because you're getting some unexpected power and some unexpected slug from a position that a lot of teams don't get it from? Probably. I, to me, you know, I've, I've never been a, a guy focuses on how many home runs a team hits. I focus on how many team runs a team scores. You know, and to me, you can get, you can generate a lot of runs without hitting a lot of home runs. I saw this club do it, you know, for many, many times in the 1980s. And I know it's a different game and, and play differently, but still to me, you get, you know, three or four guys who can get a hit in the inning, you're going to be able to score a run, especially if you get some guys on base that can run. So, you know, I, I think that they've got guys that can hit home runs. And I think they're going to hit enough of them. I just think I, I'm more worried about guys who can make contact and get on base and then and move around the bases and score some runs. There's been some reports out there that the team at some point is going to engage with Paul Goldschmidt to try to maybe uh, get him to sign an extension and, and finish his career. He's coming off a year that was good, but not up to his standards and obviously a big drop off off his MVP season the year before. Uh, is he somebody that you think is due for a, a return to form or is he somebody that age is starting to catch up with him? That's, that's the question I can't answer. You know, I don't think that's a question that anybody can answer right now. So you just never know. I mean, you've seen it work both ways, right? You've seen guys who had it down here in the mid thirties who were able to come back. And then you've seen guys that, you know, that started a trend that they weren't able to, to come back from. I mean, the one thing I think that he has going for him is that he's healthy. You know, there's never been a question. I don't think about his performance last year that was, uh, you know, dictated or related to a health question. So that, that is a positive sign, I think, as far as, you know, you know he's going to work hard. You know he's going to be focused. And, and uh, we've seen, you know, some social media posts about some of the work he's doing this winter. And I think that that's, that's something that doesn't surprise me because he, he knows that he wants to play better than, than he was a year ago. And I think it's one of those things that's a contagious thing, too. I think if I think if the team plays better, if they're more in a, a contending position, then I think you're going to get the best of Paul Goldsmith, even psychologically. You know, I mean, even 
if you're not, if had success and you've been an MVP player, but if your team's not winning and you're not playing well yourself or what up to the standards that you think you should play up to, it's it's tough to get going. I mean, it, it you know it takes a lot of, and I'm not saying he doesn't have self motivation and a lot of pride in his performance, but you know it it doesn't surprise me. Let me put it this way: that, that his drop off in performance kind of came at the same time that um, the teams had a drop off in their performance. I've had to chuckle a little bit here recently because all of a sudden people are against uh, deferred money and contracts simply because of Shohei Otani, like it's some sort of new thing. And obviously the amount of money and the percentage of that contract that is deferred is something we haven't seen very much of. But deferring money has been a very standard thing in, in baseball contracts. The Cardinals have done their fair share of it, uh, certainly over the years. Where, where do you stand on this? Are you are you on the side of that you appreciate the Dodgers and their creativity? Or are you somebody that more feels like maybe Major League Baseball should step in and put in some type of limits on, on how much money should can be deferred inside of a contract yeah I, I think that well yeah two two parts of that question number one is you know you have a player deferring 680 million dollars is probably not going to be a question for any team that has to face anytime soon you know if like like they did with that one but i think i'd love to have seen the reaction of the dodgers and window townies can't presented that contract you know and said hey you know we'll defer this much money i would love to see what their reaction to that was because it was just so unusual and so unexpected and only very few players could pull it off. You know, it takes a guy that's going to be making thirty-five to forty million dollars in endorsements outside of his baseball contract that you know could make that suggestion. But, but yeah, it's, it's the same type of thing, same type of question with you know salary cap. You know, I just think there's there's a big disparity now in, in payrolls and teams, and and I know baseball always has been against a salary cap and and they're against revenue sharing. And, but to me, to make the game more competitive, you almost have to do that. It has to be. I know they're, they're going to claim they've got a cap with the competitive balance tax, but those owners are just thumbing their nose at it. You know, Steve Cohen doesn't care how far he goes over that competitive balance tax. You know, the Dodgers, I don't think they care if they can get the player that they want. So I think they've got to figure out a way to to make the game more competitive from a financial standpoint that, you know, teams, not to say there are always going to be teams and owners that have more money to spend and choose to spend the money. I mean, there's teams that have money that just choose not to spend it. But I think that they're there's always going to be that, but I think you have to protect the little guys a little bit and make sure that they still have a reasonable fighting chance to be competitive too. Rob, you know, this is one of those times where I feel like we're talking about something that it, and you alluded to it, that it really only impacts one guy. Like people all of a sudden want rules being put in place, but this couldn't happen with anybody else. Uh, Shohei Otani made $40 million in endorsements last year. That was number one in Major League Baseball. Number two was Aaron Judge, and he made $4 million. So we're going from $40 million to $4 million. Otani is completely alone in the mm-hmm. amount of endorsement money he makes. There literally is not another player walking the face of the earth that could sign this type of contract and not uh, be walking away from a lot of right now money. Correct. And, that, and I think you, you run into that sometimes with people overreacting to those kind of things. Yeah, that they're going to, you know, if they do it, they're going to call it the Otani rule or whatever. You know, I mean, they already changed the rules for him once with the, the rule about the, when he's pitching and when he can stay in the game in DH or whatever, you know. So so he's he's just yeah, such a, a freak of nature and such a, an unbelievable player that you kind of have to, to kind of put him in one category and then put everybody else in another one. As I say, I think it's, to me, there's a lot of bigger issues with the financial part of the game than just how much money Otani's making and how much money that money's being deferred. 
I'll finish you off with this. Uh, we're coming up on the holidays. Gym, not, not, there's no rule that says you, you can't do something right around the holidays, mm -hmm. but certainly things start to slow down a little bit, and yeah. then shortly after the holidays, it's going to be uh, the winter warm-up. I know the Cardinals always like to have uh, any big acquisitions uh, in place by that point. Do you think between now and the warm-up, the Cardinals are going to add to the roster in any type of meaningful way? I would hope so. I, I mean, I, I was going to say, I think they'll add to the roster. I guess the question comes comes into the, the definition of the word meaningful. You know, uh, will they get a number one starter or a number two starter to go right behind Gray? I, I don't know. Um, I think that's going to kind of depend on the pace of the markets. I mean, I, I don't really see any major trades for a starting pitcher happening with the Cardinals or anybody until you get the rest of the top free agents signed, you know, to, to kind of set that market a little bit and kind of see which teams are left searching for a starter. And uh, I think the teams that haven't started that they're willing to trade other than, you know, Tampa Bay got a deal that they liked with the Dodgers, so they got that done. But I think the other teams are waiting just to kind of see how the how things fall. And uh, there's been some reports that Yamamoto might be able to, to sign fairly quickly now that he's gotten down to the last few teams that he's considering, apparently. So if that happens, then you got Snell, and then you got Montgomery. And I think once you get those guys all in place, then you might start to see the, the trade market open a little up a little bit. And then, and then maybe they'll get some fall on the, on the bullpen guys as well. He is uh, Rob Rains. You read him at stlsportspage.com. You follow him on Twitter at Rob Rains. Rob, always appreciate the time. Have a very Merry Christmas, and I'm sure we'll uh, talk to you after the New Year's. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Right. You. you bet. Very good. There's Rob Rains joining us here on the program.